Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Like for real, real. Feeling, I'm feeling my oats. I'm feeling ready to go. Like, like refreshed and and like a human again. <laughs> ready to, kind ready to, of. kind of. As much as I'm gonna feel like a human in 2020. As much as we're all gonna feel human. I'm, I'm all, I'm all pumped about our topic. I'm all pumped about, you know, the new space. Yeah, guys. Back to a regular schedule with a new fucking space. With a new space. And a whole three-parter. I know, which I did Surprise, not three-parter. Expect to happen yeah. until last night when I'm like, wow, <laughs> my notes are really fucking long. I can't put these in two parts. Yeah. This is a three-parter. Honestly, the Ramones deserve three parts. They really do. Yeah. You know, I, I'm going to say part one and a little bit of part two. You're just sitting here and you're like, you're just a bunch of lovable scamps. Oh. Just love like, just little fuck up top, scamps. Little mop top fuck up scamps. Yeah. But like, you're like, oh, you guys, you guys ain't hurting nobody. You're just, you're, you're just, doing... you're just fucky scamps. Yeah. Like, they're just little, little fuck scamps. <laughs> but like, it's in the best way possible. That just sounds like you're fucking a plate of shrimp scampi. Oh, I could fuck up a plate of shrimp scampi. <laughs> Hold on. Easily. Yeah. Capital E. Zully. That is quite delicious. God, now it's from Scampy. Ugh. Welcome to Rock Candy. <laughs> Where we talk about food a lot. Apparently. Yeah. Yeah. I'm all right with that. Shrimp Scampy is delicious. Yeah, right? Give yeah. me more butter. I mean, honestly, three out of five Nigerian princes can't be wrong. <laughs> what? Because we always get followed by weird Nigerian <laughs> oh, princes. Oh, yes, we do. <laughs> We get a lot of spam bots yeah. following us. We're like, all right. We also get a lot of messages like, hey, what you into? I'm Russian lady and you look nice, man. We There's so much wrong with that. All of it. That's, your, your, well, robot, your robots are broken, Russia. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, that's pretty much the extent of the instagram messages that we get yeah it's just broken bots and once in a while we get a nice human who's like hi and we're like hey that was nice yeah and then i'm like oh my god you're a real person i think 
Yay. <laughs> Thank you. Just hold your breath for one second. <laughs> if they respond in a reasonable amount of time and... It's not broken English. It's not super broken English, then yeah. Yeah. It's a real human. Yeah. That's nice. It's nice. <laughs> We're your hosts. I'm Maggie. I'm Ashley. And yep, we have a... We're back. We're better than ever. We're ready to go the way we used to do. Giving you guys those sweet treats from the world of music every week. We're doing it. Yeah, finally. Doing it hard. Doing it live. Fuck it. We're, We're doing it live. Move over, Bill O'Reilly. You can't live it the way we can. <laughs> you son of a bitch. But yes, we are going to cover the one and only Ramones. I mean, the Ramones. <laughs> yes. So, very exciting. Very excited for this little excursion because I have learned a lot. I'm about to learn a lot because the only thing I know about the Ramones really was the Dee Dee Ramones story about Rockaway Beach. Oh, or- yeah. 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 I thought you were going to say the Dee Dee Ramone story about when he went solo. No. That probably won't be until part three. Oh, oh, I do know that. Yeah, you do. Yeah. Mm. Oh, boy. Mm. Yeah, but you got, th- oh, you got two more wait. weeks. Oh, God damn You got it. two more weeks to buckle up for that one. But oh. there's, st- yo, there are still some, some chef's kiss moments in part <laughs> one, guys. Like, the story of the Ramones is fascinating. And it is so long because it is an English muffin of just... Nooks and crannies all over the place. Yes! Like, <laughs> these are just four characters that are in a band together. They are a cartoon, correct? They're Pretty just, much. They're just a cartoon. They really are, and they're all very much like... They are like a band of brothers, uh-huh. and every member kind of has his own role to play. Yeah, but so like, it is news, fascinating. Newsflash, guys, the Ramones are not actually related. I'll get there. Right? Don't you worry. The whole that I'll I'll explain all that. Yeah, that's that's happening tonight. That's happening this. I one. mean, there has to be a story behind the. Let's all kind of look the same, even though we all look like fucking goons. Yeah, and <laughs> um, let's all name ourselves Ramon. That I definitely. Right. I will definitely say they embrace the goon. They make the goon work. Yeah, they embraced it. They said, yeah. "Yo, you know what? We're a bunch of fucking goons." Let's embrace it. But they made the goon cool, so they're cool goons. Cool goons. Yeah. Cool goons. Wait for the cool hey. goons. Hey. <laughs> nope. Nope. We're not doing it. We're not, not, not doing, doing it. Not doing the gabagool? No, Mutsadel. <laughs> We're done. Done We're every done. fucking episode over the summer. We're done with Giuseppe Stromboli. I'm sorry, Giuseppe, but you're voted off the island. It's fall. <laughs> the weather is crisp and light. I'm, I'm spooping throughout my veins yeah we're we're going honkus ponkus not giuseppe stromboli that was my summer vibe yeah my summer vibe was <laughs> giuseppe, giuseppe stromboli now we're getting into honkus ponkus season yes so. yes and i don't know why i'm going to go honkus ponkus with Ra- the ramones but you hey, know what fuck it fuck it why it's not? our show god damn it yeah fuck you <laughs> hey you don't like it fuck you yeah and get ready for a bunch of really bad Queens accents, because, like... Yeah, I don't even know how to do a Queens accent, It's, it's so. kind of like, you know, you just you just don't really care. Um, It's a little Brooklyn, but it's, like, kind of subdued Brooklyn. <laughs> okay. I have, like, 50 people yelling at me right now, saying, like, that is not a Queens accent. And I'm going to say, you're probably right, 
And have you heard my British accent? <laughs> this is way more accurate. I think your Queen's accent is better than your British accent. Oi, what are you talk about, eh? Stop. Stop. Oh, Talk about the remotes. The next episode, I'll have plenty of opportunities to use my British accent. Oh, because oh, we're going to get into English punk, aren't we? Mm-hmm. Oh, great. Oh, yeah. There's there's a lot of just beautiful moments of saison. Delicious nibbles. In this, in this story, guys. Yeah. I love it. I actually like am really loving the story. So I am very excited to share it all with you. Yeah. Before I do. Why don't we talk about the booze we're drinking tonight? Oh, yeah. We drink booze. Hi, we're ladies. We drink beers. And I know we're not going thematic as much anymore, but I still wanted to get a beer from a Queen's brewery. Boo-wee. Boo-wee. And actually, this is a Queen's and an upstate New York one because Single Cut is originally from Queen's and then they moved up to Clifton Park. Don't love it. They took schmaltz out, but... I guess Schmaltz actually just gave it to them, so it doesn't. I guess it's it's not really. <laughs> There's as, contracts involved, and like all it's that fine. Stuff. I just I loved Schmaltz, so. But yes, from Single Cut, I got myself this strictly handheld honey Kolsch. It is <laughs> ill. Wow. Yeah, strictly handheld. <laughs> okay. I like I actually like the art on it though. It's a little microphone with a, with a beehive. beehive. That's cute. It's really cute. Uh, I actually do think though this is a reference to a different. Band of Brothers, quote unquote, from the, the city. This is a reference to the Beastie Boys. Oh yeah, I mean, I feel like I every think. time I think I know what Single Cut is referencing because you don't. all of their beer references music somehow, but the clues that they give are so obscure and yes. ridiculous that I'm like, oh, I know that one, and then I'm like, oh, I guess I don't. <laughs> Yep. Sure. Well, fine. they didn't have this a year ago when I talked about the Beastie Boys, so I'm drinking it now and I got the Ramones. And uh, it's very tasty. You know, it's a nice little Kolsch with some honey milk, sugar, ginger, and lemons. I like it. It's a Kolsch. It's a Kolsch. Like, honestly, still into it. Still yeah. here for Kolsch. Cool. What about you? Oh, I'm drinking, what is this? Guava Licious. Cider from King's Highway, Ooh. which I just realized is apparently brewed in my hometown, which, um, okay. It's keto-friendly, which now it all is. of this makes sense. It's gluten-free, zero sugar, which I don't understand how a fucking cider is zero sugar, but I mean, sure. Okay. Whatever helps you sleep at night, I guys. I mean, it's good, but also I'm going to have to come find your fucking cidery now. So thanks for that. <laughs> thanks. <laughs> Cool. I don't know where I don't know where the fuck you is, but I'ma find you. <laughs> Ready or not, here I come. You can't hide. I'm gonna find you and drink your side. Oh yeah, you are. <laughs> that's got sensual. <laughs> anyway, let's let's jump into the story of the Ramones. Okay. Shall we? Yes. Before I start, I shall cite my sources. So first, I have the book called The Ramones, an American Band by Jim Bessman, uh, a documentary that's the official Ramones documentary called oh. End of the Century. Oh. It's really good, actually. It's very apocalyptic. <laughs> it was also one of their albums. It's still apocalyptic. There you go. Very apocalyptic. <laughs> and then um, I will reference this. I used a Rolling Stone article by Mikhail Gilmore called The Curse of the Ramones, 
It's actually super in-depth and detailed oh. and like just had a lot of little tidbits in there. I feel like I maybe read that because that sounds familiar. Yeah, it's really cool because it's very brief and quick, but it's it does go through the story. It has a lot of story. information. Yeah, I was like, Jesus, this is long. Sometimes Rolling Stone is helpful. When you want to get those like super secret stories, yes. they're helpful. Alrighty. Okay, I got to admit, I was guilty of this too. But generally, I think the Ramones are sometimes overlooked for just how groundbreaking they were to music as we know it. I don't want to just say rock or punk or pop, because really, they've gone on to influence a massive amount of people with their simplistic chords, yet honest lyrics. We take them for granted. We do. Quite a lot. We really do. It proved that rockers don't have to be gods, and you can create something meaningful out of something ordinary. Mm -hmm. You don't have to be... A savant. And I always feel like at least one of the Ramones is always in a background story of like every artist we cover. 100%. They're always there causing trouble and like part of the gang that's getting fucked up and somebody ends up in the hospital. There is always a Ramone there. Is that the curse of the Ramones? Kind of. Like they all. That's at least Joey's curse. He was very ill. (laughs) I'll get to that though. Yes, they are now a household name, uh-huh. and many of your friends' kids are wearing their shirts, and when you ask them what their favorite Ramones song go- is, they say, oh, it's Hey Ho, Let's Go, <laughs> not realizing that it's actually called Blitzkrieg Bop, and yeah. you just kind of look at them. And, and then you're, you're like, like <laughs> I'm sorry we said that at the same time. That was beautiful. That was great. Beautiful. Yeah, you're just like, sure, kid, what's uh-huh. your favorite Nirvana song? The, you know. The one? The one about the deodorant? Go fuck yourself. I hate children. Fuck off. I'm sorry. Your kid is probably fine. They're fine. But also, these bands are being played on classic rock radio stations now. So, yeah. It may surprise you to find out the Ramones weren't really loved by the general public for a long time. Yeah. I'm going to say they paid their dues tenfold. And their story is full of so many more bumps in the road than you'd ever imagine. Nah, I can imagine. Like, oh, yeah. bumps in the road, but also probably a lot of, like, bumps. Like, bumps. Mm, yes, but think more hard. Harder? Oh, yeah. Oh, is this going to be a heroin episode? We are officially zero days without heroin. <laughs> Day zero. It's not going to get better for three weeks. I even ripped my Kleenex. I'm so angry. She did. Our story begins in the wild world of Forest Hills, Queens. Just kidding. There is nothing wild about the residential section of Queens. I always saw it as New York City suburbs. You know, for those people who want to live the most boring kind of life in the most inconvenient way. Like... I feel like that's probably the neighborhood where you look down every street and every single house is the exact same brick house over and over. There's variants of brick. Variants of brick. Brick variant. Variants of gaudy, like, cherub fountains in the front lawn. And lions. And lions, yes. So many lions. The four founding members met running in similar social circles around this time. But don't be fooled, they didn't become a band for quite some time. It was not a simple act of fate that brought these guys together. What made this iconic band happen was actually the drummer, Tommy Ramone, who was really named Thomas Erdi, 
He was born in Hungary to Jewish parents who survived the Holocaust with the help of their neighbors hiding them. Fuck. Right? Sup, Anne Frank. Damn. Yeah, they had some, like, legit I did being not, hidden. By- <laughs> I did not know Anne Frank moved to the U.S. and became a drummer for a seminal punk rock band. But Seriously. Good for her. Man, wouldn't that have been a much better... Would have been way better better if just the Nazis just burst into flames and didn't exist anymore. But, Uh, you know. But, you know, 2020, where we have Nazis again. Cool. Anyway, Thomas was only in Hungary for his youngest of days. By the time he was eight, his family emigrated to the U.S. They stayed in a few places in New York City until they finally settled on a home in Forest Hills, Queens. Good for them. Yeah. Moving on up. Hmm. It was here that he learned more about Western culture, and most importantly, rock music. He decided to take up guitar and developed a passion for not only creating music, but also the aesthetic of being a cool kid rock and roller. Ooh. Like, he understood not just how to play the music, but how to look the part. Okay. So he had the talent and the flair. In high school, he joined a garage band called Tangerine Puppets with his friend, John Cummings. However... We may know Mr. Cummings better by the name Johnny Ramone. Oh. Mm. Johnny played bass in the Tangerine Puppets and was known for having quite the temper. Apparently, during a gig they were playing at school, Johnny noticed the class president on the side of the stage. So he decided to take that opportunity to run over to him and hit him in the balls with his guitar. For no reason? He apparently just didn't really like the president of the class. Wow. He's like, hey, that guy's over there. He's, I don't like him. Fuck this guy. Fuck this guy. I'm going to hit him with my fucking guitar neck. Hey, hey, hey. watch me. <laughs> hey, hey, watch me do this. You damn me? You damn me? I'm doing it. Johnny, nobody's daring you to. I'm doing it, I'm though. I'm daring myself. Hey, yeah, I'm doing you it. know what? I'm doing it, though. <laughs> Johnny was Queens born and raised. His dad was a construction worker. And could be a bit severe with his son, giving him tough love lessons to avoid feeling like he, quote, raised a baby. Oh, Mm. this guy. Yeah. All of that could easily account for Johnny's anger streak. He took to some mild vandalism in his teens. (laughs) You know, know, just a little bit. Throwing things off of roofs and out (laughs) of windows just to give people a scare. Like, they just throw, like, TVs off roofs, like, when people were walking right on the sidewalk. Jesus Christ. Just... Yeah. But it wasn't rock and roll that saved his soul. Oh, no. He said one day he was walking in his neighborhood and a voice just popped in his head asking, what are you doing with your life? Is this this what you're here for? And from that day on, he chilled on the childish crimes and brought back some of those violent outbursts and started working odd jobs here and there to support himself. It was Andrew Dice Clay that popped into his head. (laughs) Hey. What are you doing here? So apparently my Queen's accent is just Andrew it's Dice Andrew Clay. Dice Clay. Which I, I figured it out. It's just Andrew Dice. Is he from Queen's? I don't know. Well, maybe. Guys, I'm trying. He is for the purposes of this podcast. There you go. And for a while, he was just like any other New Yorker. You know, working his manual labor, gushing over the Yanks. And one of his gigs was as a dry cleaner where he was delivering clothes and one day, he met a guy named Douglas Colvin. They took lunch breaks together and would talk mostly about music, especially for their love of the Stooges and the MC5. Oh. And not much too longer after this meeting, would Douglas become Dee Dee Ramone? Yes, he is. And look, this guy was a lot. 
He had a history. Guys. We talked a little bit about it in our the list we did for the for what did we do? Oh, the Rockaway Beach. Uh, for the our friends, Ghost of Stratosphere. Yeah, they we, had us uh, do our favorite summer jams, and we summer did talk jams. about yes, Rockaway Beach. And we talked about Rockaway Beach, and I was like, "Wow, yeah, <laughs> this guy, yeah, Didi is a uh... guys. Didi, like, he could have had his own episode. Yeah, he's got his childhood was pretty nuts. No, he did not have an easy childhood, as he was a self-described military brat, and would spend much of his youth moving around from place to place. He was. Born in Germany, I think? Mm, he was born in Fort Lee, Virginia. Oh. Lived all over and did end up in Germany for some time. Right. Like a good chunk of his childhood, he was in right. Germany. Let's just say Didi's dad was not winning any mm. Father of the Year awards. One might even call him a rad dad. Ugh. Not a cool dad. Yeah. It's fucking rad He's dad. He's a rad dad. He was an alcoholic and emotionally abusive. So I don't think it's hard to imagine that all that led Didi down some pretty dark paths at a pretty young age. He didn't have a ton of friends because, you know, he's moving around from place to place. And while in Germany, he took that time to explore abandoned areas by himself that were littered with World War II weaponry and Nazi paraphernalia. That's kind of awesome, though. I'd be... I'd, I'd I know. If I was shit. a kid if I was a kid in Germany, like, and I didn't have any friends, yeah, I would just, like, fucking roam around places and find cool old shit. Yeah. And he would sell it to locals for a nice chunk of change. Like, oh. he was making money on this shit. He should have sold it to fucking Lemmy. He was a collector. I know. If only. If only you knew. If only you knew. He quickly fell into booze and drugs because things are a bit more loosey-goosey in Germany. <laughs> Teens didn't really get in trouble for drinking, but he quickly moved into abusing morphine, exchanging found war items with soldiers he'd met for threats of the good stuff. Such an interesting choice. Yeah. Morphine. Yeah. I guess maybe it's easier to get? Yeah. Or, eh, yeah. 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 <laughs> 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 I have I'm I've never done morphine. I don't know. I wouldn't even know how to get it on the streets. Well, step one, get Nazi paraphernalia. <laughs> step I guess two, that's step one. Find in, a vet. In the progress. Step of... <laughs> three, profit. Yeah. I guess I just don't know. Guys, I just, on Sunday, had my first CBD gummy. Ooh, how was it? I, I felt nothing. Yeah, most people don't feel anything on CBD gummies. Yeah, no. She was like, oh, it'll take away your back pain. You can use this for your migraines. It just really mellows you out. I'm like, I'm pretty sure pot is the one that does that, not CBD, but we'll give it a shot. Some nothing. people are very sensitive to CBD, but not I many people. believe I have drank all of my receptors that are in my body away yeah. in the last probably 10 years. So. You know, honestly, you just need like a medical grade gummy, like a medical grade THC gummy. Oh, Because yeah, they that's... won't make you high. They'll just give you exactly what you're looking for, the relaxation. Yeah. But so. also like, I don't care. So <laughs> <laughs> I don't care. Anyway. But we could I'm also not... just get you morphine. You could do that. I just need to get some Nazi paraphernalia first. There you go. I'm telling you. <laughs> we figured right. it out, guys. I'll get on Craigslist. Go find that shit. Even though Dee Dee didn't see himself going anywhere with his life, he still found a deep love for music, thanks to the Beatles. 
He was so inspired that he got a bull haircut and a suit to match the Fab Four. And most importantly, he took up guitar uh, for his more sober hours. Oh. Yeah. Good for him. Yeah, he's like, hey, I'm feeling sober right now. I guess I'm going to play some guitar. <laughs> I don't know why he has a Queens accent when he's living in Germany I... and has never lived in Queens, but good for him. He's just, you know, anticipating yeah. the move. He's like, really oh, trying I, to fit in. I want to fit in when I get into Queens. <laughs> Around the age of 15, his mother took him and his sister out of Germany. Speaking of which, away from their alcoholic D-bag dad mm-hmm. and into Forest Hills, Queens for a new life. But at this point... Didi was a bit set in his delinquent ways and just continued the drug use and even got arrested for armed robbery while trying to hitchhike to California. Oh. Yeah. A few years later, he finally settled down a little. I mean, not with the drugs. He only kept getting harder with that. <laughs> oh, good. Yeah, like Great. the guy went from like morphine. I think he did some pot and he's like, yeah, I guess whatever. And then was like, nah, but you know what, though? Cocaine. Oh, never mind. Never mind heroin yeah but you know what heroin yeah heroin but he picked up some odd jobs to make a living and when he met johnny they did have lunch and do walks together on the daily and one day they passed a guitar so (laughs) very hand in hand except like johnny fucking hates everyone so like (laughs) he was just hanging out with this guy out of like i guess i got nothing better to do might as well just hang out with this fucking guy. This fucking guy on morphine. This fucking morphine. Morphine Mike over here. This morphine. <laughs> Get out. Okay. One day they passed a guitar store and they decided pick up some swag. So they got a Moss Wright guitar for Johnny and a Dan Electro bass for Dee Dee. Dan Electro? Yeah. yeah. I might be saying it wrong. But... No, that's right. All right. <laughs> I just like that name a lot. I do too. Oh, and okay. I like Dan Electro's. And yeah. They're good. Look at me. I'm saying things properly. Mm. They began to play with the idea of starting a band on and off about it. Maybe Mm. that was all Tommy needed to hear to encourage them (laughs) to make it happen. I don't know. Maybe. Done. Fucking do it. At this point, the Tangerine Puppets were no more. Tangerine Puppets just sounds like such a psychedelic rock kind of band. Fuck, I forgot what the reference was, but there it's a reference to something, and I'm going to remember it and <laughs> tell you guys someday, I promise. But here's where Tommy might, wasn't in the band anymore, wasn't playing anymore, but he only got more involved with music and became a producer at the Record Plant Studio, working with some big names like, oh, I don't know, Jimi Hendrix. Oh. Yeah. So he became a really, really good producer. Okay. So he, like, fucking knew. Again, like... Tommy always had his fucking finger on the pulse. Mm-hmm. He's like, nah, I know what's up. Yeah. So when he sees Tommy and Dee, he's like, guys, you're what's up. Uh-huh. And they're like, nah, I don't think so. It's not us. <laughs> I'm going to tell you what's up. Tommy began to pester Johnny and Dee to start a band. He thought they had the chops to make it. He told them he'd handle their sound and their style. Just play the instruments. It'll all fall into place. But Johnny specifically was really opposed to this. He wanted to, you know, live a normal life. It's sick starting a band. I don't want to do that. I can't handle the fame. I don't even know if that was... Yeah, actually, he couldn't. I mean... Johnny is the weirdest person I've ever read about in my life. But it just seems so, like, oh, I can't handle... I can't handle the band life. Like, he automatically thinks that they're just going to be fucking huge right off the bat. I think, actually, he was probably more like, this is silly kid bullshit. Like, we need real fucking jobs. Responsible. I like that. Is he a Capricorn? He might be. 
Might be. <laughs> he did spend about two years in military school. So what you will learn oh, yeah. about Johnny going forward is he is very regimented. He's regimented. He's strict. He follows a fucking schedule. He wants everyone else to follow that fucking schedule. And it's- if you don't, you will have hell to pay. I am beginning to think that it's not that Johnny hates everybody. It's that everybody hates Johnny. <laughs> Why not both? Maybe both. <laughs> Sounds like an insufferable prick that nobody wants to hang out with. But, you know, I get it. Don't worry. There will be more nooks and crannies. <laughs> Here's the thing, though. Johnny was against it. Until he was exposed to what would become one of the Ramones' biggest influences, the New York Dolls. Mm. He thought they were great. Terrible, but great. (laughs) And it gave him the confidence to feel like he could create music and didn't have to make some overly complicated, especially deep work for it to matter. So he was basically like, I'm going to do the New York Dolls, but do it better. Maybe? Maybe. That sounds like something Johnny would think. Yeah. (laughs) And so they had it set with Johnny playing guitar. Indeed, he was also on guitar as well as lead vocals. And they grabbed a good friend of theirs to join them on drums, Jeffrey Hyman, who was forever to be known as Joey Ramone. On drums? Joey was born into some culture as his mother was the owner of an art gallery. Oh. But he was forever to have a hard go at life, as he was born with a teratoma the size of a baseball on his spine. What is a teratoma? So a teratoma is a, a tumor that can grow like hair and teeth. Oh, yeah, no shit. yeah, that's like the crazy ass tumor oh. that basically is like another person. I read somewhere that they said it was like a twin that didn't develop. Yeah, that, so. Like, I dated a guy that had one of those. <gasps> Did it have teeth? I don't know. Th- this happened well before like I started dating him. But Oh, no. he got it removed? Oh, yeah. Oh, like, God. no. It exploded while he was sitting at work. <gasps> so disgusting. Yeah. And he like went to the doctor and they're like, oh, here's like this ball of hair that like. <gasps> yeah. It was basically like kind of a tail that was also like a growth like a could have been a person what the fuck yeah you know teratomas are fucking oh well he was yeah so joey was born with one (laughs) jesus christ i'm horrified now (laughs) is this what made him so tall no okay it was just i think like it was just in his family to be tall oh okay and some people just hit six foot eight it just happens it just happens because, yeah, the guy that I dated was really tall, too. Hmm. So. I, don't know. I don't know. I could see Maybe that's it a was thing. a correlation. I didn't go into the medical side of things. So while they did manage to cut it out when Joey was only a few <laughs> weeks old, many believe it was the cause of a life filled with physical ailments. Yeah, it could be. Joey was always sick. Like, that kid could, like, cut his foot. And end up with an infection that would land him in the hospital. Jesus Christ. Yeah. So, like, poor fucking guy. He's what they call a sickly child. Yeah, honestly. His father was an abusive asshole who his mother divorced when Joey was a teenager. They all have shit dads. Is there any cool dad? Actually, any cool dad. No. Paging. Actually, Tommy's dad seemed fine. Paging cool dad, are you here? No, cool dad is nowhere to be found in the Ramones store. There's a lot of rad dads. Yeah, a lot of rad dads. Clean up on aisle rad dad. (laughs) 
<laughs> so have a pile of shitty father figures. But yes, abusive piece of shit who his mother divorced uh, when Joey was just a teenager. And she remarried a couple times. And so Joey never had like that strong father figure. Right. And apparently one time his his actual dad threw him against the wall once. Like the kid is like, He's a sickly child. Yeah, I don't know why you throw a sickly child You don't ca- throw a sickly child. You don't, you, would you throw a Habsburg baby against the wall? No, it will bleed to death. <laughs> oh, boh, We need to get out of this I section just feel like he's I a, am. He's a delicate Habsburg baby that you can't, like, touch <laughs> because it'll just burst into flames. <laughs> so add on top of all of this the fact that he was a bit awkward. He's a lanky, tall kid, yeah. so he was frequently bullied. And I'm sure in high school, he was just fucking weird looking. Like, weirder than adult Joey Ramone. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> accurate. Just, yeah, mix that all together, you're going to end up with a real loner on your hands. Yeah, just imagine that thing going through puberty. Oof. He found solace in music. Especially the Beach Boys, The Who, and The Beatles. Oh. After seeing them perform on Ed Sullivan, he was inspired to play the drums. So he got himself a rented hi-hat so he could play along to his favorite tunes. Slowly, he put together a drum set, and he would later even take up guitar. It's so crazy to think, like, how many episodes we've done now where we have said, so-and-so saw the Beatles on Ed Sullivan. Everyone saw the Beatles on Ed Sullivan. Just think of all of the incredible legendary musicians that were watching that particular TV show at that particular time and their head in their head they were like yeah i want to do this yeah and all I- at the same time same day same time same year same everything yeah all at the same time and i feel like that's just never going to be a thing to happen again never no never not with the internet no. not like that not when we have MySpace. And TikTok. <laughs> Mostly it's TikTok it's, now. Yeah. yeah. 20 years from now, it's going to be, they saw this TikTok video and they were like, I could do this. <laughs> Woof. I can create five seconds of content at a time and become millionaires. It's wacky. Isn't it? On top of everything else, though, Joey suffered from mental issues. Throughout his teens, he acted strangely, developing almost ritualistic behaviors at night, with climbing in and out of bed and taking food out of the fridge. Huh. Around the age of 18, he pulled a knife on his mother when she asked him, yo, what's going on with you? <laughs> I'm going to fucking kill you. That's what's going well, on with me. That answers a question. All right. I don't know if it's the question, but it's a question. <laughs> a question. It wasn't long after that he checked himself into St. Vincent. And spent a month having doctors check him out and eventually telling his mother, yo, he is never going to live a normal life. He's never going to be able to live on his own. He's always going to have to have somebody watch over him. Like, he's just, he's too mentally gone. Like, like people were saying he had, like, schizophrenia and all this stuff. But did they give him, like, an actual diagnosis? So eventually, and I don't think it was here, but Joey was eventually diagnosed. He had obsessive compulsive disorder. Oh, but in like 1960s time right. frame, it was like, your boy's done. He's yeah. just crazy. He's got schizophrenia because schizophrenia was just the blanket term yeah. that you gave everyone when you're like, I don't know, schizophrenia. I'm going to spin the little mental health wheel with five options. <laughs> Schizophrenia's out here twice. Yeah, I just. He's got schizophrenia. <laughs> He's got the Forrest Gump disease. 
Like, no. <laughs> like, that's not a diagnosis, but sir. They, they definitely thought it was. That was like, they were only on like DSM-3 back then. No, actually, they were all probably like, your son's retarded. <laughs> like, that's that was just it. That's what they said. Yeah. It's like, but that's not an actual diagnosis. But, you know, let's go throw him in a state home for the rest of his life. There you go. They weren't going to throw him in a home, but they were just telling his mom, like, you're probably going to have to take care of him. Guess what? They, they were clearly wrong yeah. about Joey's ability to take care of himself. Because you know what? 1960s doctors were always fucking wrong. Yeah, usually. Well, the good news is Joey went on to get more involved with music when he joined the glam punk band Sniper. Sniper? Sniper. Oh, that sounds like a band that would open for Poison. I think they were. Yes. Maybe. I don't well, know. they were glam rock, so yeah, glam yeah. rock is pretty adjacent to hair metal. Yeah, I would definitely say. Yeah, yeah. glam punk. He was very yeah. inspired. He was very inspired after seeing David Bowie go into like his more Ziggy Stardust phase. I like that influence more right? than Beatles. the Beatles. <laughs> right. Well, David Bowie gives it some zazz. It gives him a little little pepper. <laughs> We'll, we'll get a little Cajun with it, but not yeah. actually Cajun. It just makes it more exciting than white rice. A little bit of that Saison. Yeah. That I'm not, I'm not saying I don't love me some white rice. I'm just saying. Yeah. I need a little something in my white rice. Yeah. A little black beans, maybe some spices. A little paprika. Mm, some cheese. Little I'm hungry. Cheese. Sorry. <laughs> Joey was very much into the glam scene and even had a jumpsuit made for him to oh. wear... While performing under the name, wait for it, Jeff Starship. <laughs> Jeff Starship? Jeff Starship. What? Yep. That was his name in the band Sniper, Jeff Starship. This can't be a coincidence. <laughs> Jefferson Starship? Yes! He's like, I'm just going to abbreviate what this name's going to be in the next No, he would have been, he would have been before Jefferson Starship. Oh, easily. Like, after Airplane, they stole it from him. Yes! Easily. He started out, actually, in this band as the lead singer. But I'm going to bring you down. Because he was eventually kicked out because he wasn't attractive enough. Oh, Joey! I know! Baby Joey! I know! He seems like he was a really nice guy. He was just riddled with OCD and didn't look attractive enough, apparently. They're not wrong, but, like, come on. Give him a chance. He's got the jumpsuit! He got the jumpsuit. (laughs) Fuck, come on. Now, while we all should give a long, hard side eye to Sniper for this, it's just as well, because when he was approached by his friends about playing drums for their band, it was an easy yes for them. Good. Yeah. You deserve to be behind the drum kit. I don't know. Did he wear his jumpsuit behind the drum kit? No, no. That that was quickly. The kibosh was quickly put on the jumpsuit. Oh. Not in the Ramones. (laughs) Speaking of not in the Ramones, we're going to take a hot break, get some more beers, maybe give you some ads, maybe you buy some shit, maybe you don't. Either way, we'll be right back. Hey, listeners, how you doing? <laughs> but how you doing? But how you doing? No, seriously, how are you doing? Are you okay? Do you need anything? Are things good in the bedroom? You can be honest with us. No, honestly, you can, because like, we've all been there. Yeah. Sometimes shit is rough. Or sometimes you just want to like get real freaky with yourself. Or with someone else. Or with multiple people. That's rad. And you, right now, can treat yourself on Adam and Eve 
Facebook.com. What? Yeah. Tell me more. We have special things for you. What? You can go to the Adam and Eve website and you can get free stuff to spice up your bedroom. Ooh. Even if we get stuff and we use it once and we're like, oh no, that wasn't right. But that's okay because we have the deal of a lifetime so you can try all that weird shit out. Yep. So you can walk your cute little butt on over to adamandeve.com mm-hmm. and grab yourself almost any one item for 50% off. Oh, that's cheap. But that's not all. Adam and Eve will load up on the free stuff. Yeah, <laughs> load. <laughs> Just use code CANDYPOD. That is C-A-N-D-Y-P-O-D. Not the band. No, but you will feel so alive you will. with this deal. When you use CANDYPOD at checkout, you get some special gifts. Mm-hmm. Maybe one for him. Mm-hmm. Maybe one for her. Mm-hmm. Maybe one for them. Yeah. Plus, you get six free movies. Oh, my God. Movies? Movies. And they're free. Plus, you get that sweet free shipping. Oh, my God. Sweet, sweet free shipping. Because that shipping can be so expensive. No, it's And you don't can. want that. All right. Are you convinced? I'm pretty much convinced. Let's do this. Go to checkout at adamandeve.com. Use our special code, CANDYPOD, and you get all them free gifts and that free shipping. So go to adamandeve.com and put candy in your pod. No, don't. That's not where that goes. Nope. But do it. But I mean, but like, just get the free stuff. Yeah. And we're back. What's up? Hey. Guess ready for some more Ramon story? Feature- featuring Jeff Starship. No, Jeff Starship is dead. Oh, no. Oh, my God. But you know what? If somebody ever made a Jeff Starship doll, I would fucking jump all over that. I'm just picturing Joey Ramon, like, as Joey Ramon, but wearing a silver sequined jumpsuit with bell bottoms and a, like, v-neck down to his navel so the funny thing is i don't think it was even like sequiny or shiny i think it was just like this muted cotton <laughs> jumpsuit because I, it didn't somebody even made stretch. it for him because <laughs> he had to have one made because he's so fucking tall oh yeah but then but now i'm just picturing it with just like dude camel toe <laughs> like, oh moose knuckle moose knuckle that's what it is yeah i mean joey ramon was a tall man so you he know did. he was you know that was a big fucking moose knuckle. And if it was made of cotton with no stretch whatsoever. Well, I don't know boy. about the stretch, but also like. <laughs> but also there's some moose knuckle. I mean, I'm oh. here for it. <laughs> no. <laughs> to complete this lineup, they brought in their friend Richie Stearns on base and they got the ball rolling. Yay. Kind of. Okay. Well. No, not really. Uh, After a few weeks, they discovered Richie couldn't really play bass, so he left. They put Dee Dee on bass and vocals, and now the band was really going. Okay. Yeah. Um, actually, not not really. Uh, no, still not really. Um, not quite yet. After a few more rehearsals, Dee Dee found out that singing and playing at the same time is quite difficult. It is. And not really something he's capable of. Oh. So they're like, all right, Joey, vocals, do it. I'm glad that they're they're realizing these uh, shortcomings early like right on. off right off the bat. They're before like before they even record no. anything. They're like, nope, we need to do 
this musical chairs thing. Okay, so let's change. Well, I just pictured Dee Dee being like, I can't really fucking do this. This is hard. This is fucking stupid. I can't, like, like he would play. Because I can't play and sing either. <laughs> so this is absolutely no shade on Dee Dee. But, like, he would play his part and then stop and sing and play his part oh. and stop and sing because it's so fucking hard. It is. I mean, I it can't so even stop my feet and clap my hands at the same time. So I mean, you can only do We Will Rock You because you don't have to do both <laughs> exactly. at the same time. <laughs> don't ask me to sing and do that stuff, my too, though. God. Tommy and Dee Dee thought it made perfect sense to have Joey up on vocals. Mm-hmm. But John, or to have Joey on vocals, excuse me. The Joey Johnny thing throws me off constantly. It's a lot of J's. Too many J's. Johnny, on the other hand, didn't think that he had the look. But the others argued Joey was precisely the type of guy that should be the lead singer. Because he's weird looking. Yes! This towering skinny boy with crazy hair was the antithesis of a sex symbol. And that's exactly yeah. what the Ramones wanted. Yeah. The thing that truly brought these guys together was that they weren't part of the norm. The current rock that everyone was into was progressive, which, hold up, I love me some progressive. Oh, prog rock is the best. It is. However, it, it can be a bit gratuitous with their guitar solos and the existential concepts and, like, you know, the intros and the outros oh, and yeah. where is the song going? Is this the same song? Is this a different song? I'm not sure. The time changes, the sci-fi lyrics. Right. The nerd shit. It's not for everyone. Right. I understand that. Mm-hmm. And even though they were influenced by the rock that came before them, the Ramones wanted their music to be stripped of those classic rock and roll concepts so that nothing would get in the way of creating songs that reflected their style and creativity they didn't want like the blues influence and the guitar solos and like all those Soaring like, vocals. Yeah. That yeah, wasn't complicated what, the epicness. Riffs. They didn't want that. These guys knew they were never gonna play with all that flair, so it just wasn't possible. On top of that, they were just misfits who wanted to prove to everyone that they can make something of themselves. They were the creeps that had to find each other to create a community when there clearly wasn't one for them. So, now we got Joey as the lead singer. Mm-hmm. Initially, it's like, all right, Joey's lead singer on the drums. Oh, wait, Dee Dee was right. This is really hard. <laughs> wait, so he's trying to sing Dr- and play drums. For drum- a hot second, he Yo, tried to do both. There's only so many Phil Collinses in this world. Yeah, and his name's and Don, Don Henley. Henley's. <laughs> <laughs> and Dave Grohl's. And Dave Grohl's. Yeah, it's, there's only, there's like, those three. No, there's more. There's we're, plenty we're, more. We're but... just plenty more. We're just we're missing them. But all right, so we had Johnny on guitar, Dee Dee on bass. So Joey jumps up front to singing because they're like, we can't do another. Like Joey is the singer. Mm-hmm. We'll just find another drummer. But who easier is gonna... said than done? Yeah, we've had this talk a couple times. Yeah, drummer ain't that easy to find. It's not, even though they're commonly replaced. She's so weird, right? But it's like eventually when you get like big enough and in like a a scene, yeah, it's kind of incestual. It really is. After a ridiculous amount of failed auditions, they finally got Tommy to sit in and bang on those cans in the only way that was going to work on the yeah, for the Ramones. Tommy. So Tommy's like, I don't wanna, I don't wanna. Fuck it. Nobody else can do this. I will do it. Fulfill your density, and he did. <laughs> Since I've invoked their name yet again, perhaps you might be curious how they all became 
the Ramones. I am curious. You Tell me about it, Maggie. From the fucking first minute. <laughs> I just want to know where their name came from. It was decided that the band should have a bit of a uniform to brand themselves a bit and help them stand apart from the rest of the rock groups around them. Which is funny because it's the simplest uniform. Oh, yeah. Well, <laughs> it was funny because it was really just the way Johnny dressed. <laughs> because, remember, Joey was really into glam and Dee Dee was really into, like, the Beatles. Tommy had his finger on the pulse, so he looked at Johnny and was like, look, Johnny's got the easiest... And, like, most approachable, like, rock look, we, we're punk look, whatever, yeah. we're going with that. And also, Johnny's, like, the dictator, so you do what he says. Yeah, you kind of do. Yeah. Well, in addition to that, the name was another part of the uniform. It was actually Dee Dee who first took the name Ramon. It turns out he didn't think Douglas Colvin was cool enough to give him street cred. No? No. Is it not? Weird. <laughs> so he settled on Dee Dee Ramon. Ramon came from a major influence of all four members, bringing them back, the Beatles. Oh, okay. Specifically Paul McCartney. When he would check into hotels to avoid anyone knowing he was there or finding him, he would use the name Paul Ramon. Spelled oh. without the E. Paul Ramon. Ramon. Oh. Everyone thought this sounded pretty funny and agreed it, it would fit perfectly. Right? They're like... Paul Ramon, okay. <laughs> Let's call ourselves the Ramones. They're like, now we, we look like a gang. We sound like a gang of guys, the Ramones. Hey. They would get together and rehearse with the intention of creating a new song every time. The fact that they were arguably all learning how to play. Right. None of them, like, knew, knew how to. Tommy especially, he's like, I never really played the drums before. I had to kind of learn. And, like, but I guess- Joey was never, like, Joey... Like, I don't think had ever been given the freedom to be the lead singer he was born to be. Right. And I mean, even like Dee Dee and Johnny, while yes, they played music, I think it's just like they've never, they're all learning this style together. Which makes sense because, you know, their their eventual sound became so simplistic. Exactly. Because none of them knew how to play. Right. And this all contributed, all of the, like, learning how to play together contributed to their sound and their iconic music that everyone knows them for this is like when i was 12 and 13 and like me and my friends were really into nirvana yeah and bush and like we were we would all sit in our bedrooms during sleepovers and be like we should start a band and i'm gonna play guitar and you should be the lead singer no i want to be the lead singer everyone wants to be the lead singer yeah and we all had our set like musical instruments and all that stuff and we would write lyrics but like we don't know how to fucking play instruments. <laughs> this was this. The Ramones are like, if that happened, but we actually started playing. instruments. Yes, that's exactly what it would have been. So instead of drum and bass locking together, like one would expect, Tommy worked more with Johnny and Dee Dee became the foundation that they would build around. And they used block chords as a melodic device. And it created this wall of sound that was way more melodic than what people are used to with wall of sound. Right, because usually it's just noise. Yeah, it's like, like it's like big... you can hear each instrument. It's specific, but this was like like a melody coming through on that. Right, I, it's it's really hard to explain. It wasn't just trying to create a bigger sound. Right, it was trying to create a bigger sound, but with melody. Yes, yeah, it wasn't just like trying to throw you over. It was trying to help you hear it better. Right. Because they were so strict about constantly creating new material, this resulted in them having many songs to work with. 
As they released more albums, many thought their songs were written as hyperbole to piss off the squares. But yeah, piss off the squares. Piss off those squares, man. But they were actually honest to goodness stories written from their experiences. Now I want to sniff some glue was written by <laughs> Dee Dee about yup glue sniffing. Yeah, I mean no bones about it. No it, bones about it's it. Glue sniffing fucking about sniffing because look at them. They're all sniffing glue. They're all sniffing glue, guys. And yeah, did well, you really think it was going to be deeper than that? Well, so. It was it was about sniffing glue, but it's also like the minimalist lyrics explore messages of peer pressure like my friends would do and I'm going to do it. When he was asked about the song, he did say he hoped no one thought they sniffed glue because he stopped when he was eight, which was a lie. They all definitely <laughs> oh, still they... sniffed glue oh, throughout if... their teenage years. No, if they were ever presented with a situation where they were in the room with a glue container, Stick. they're going to fucking sniff it. Yeah. It's a quick high, but it's it's a high. But it's a high, and, like, who gives a shit? Exactly. <laughs> and it's also free. It's free high. Joey wrote a song called Be on the Brat after witnessing children in a park in Forest Hills and finding them to be just the most horrible screaming <laughs> kids with mothers watching them and giving them no discipline. So he just thought up the lyrics, beat on the brat with the baseball bat. <laughs> and again, at this point, there weren't many bands singing about the mundane dealings of life t- every day. Yeah. But heck, if Joey doesn't hit the nail on the head for you with beat on the brat, then I feel like you've never left your house because there's no fucking way you haven't seen a kid in a grocery store and like, beat on the brat with the baseball bat. And you know what? Still holds up. I was like that in Target today. Because guess what? Kids are still garbage. Kids are still Need to get hit with baseball bats. Yep. They... Your kid is probably fine, though. <laughs> I'm sure your kid is fine, but some kids need to be hit with a fucking baseball bat because yeah. they are brats. Yeah. Another thing that wasn't very abundant at that time, small venues for live music. This was the time of the white flight from New York City into the suburbs. So all the people left and the economy just shit itself. Mm-hmm. Violence rose and overall no one could afford to build or sustain a place for concerts. However, there were two very notable exceptions. We had Max's Kansas City and CBGB's. Mm-hmm. And it was at the latter where the Ramones would finally have a chance to show off their stuff. In a memorable fashion that only they could be capable of. Of course. The boys got on stage to perform a 17-minute set of six to seven songs. <laughs> the joke was for Ramon's shows, blink and you'll miss it. Their songs are like <laughs> two and a half minutes tops. Yeah. I think like their longest song was maybe four minutes. And for people who are maybe used to prog rock, which will last six, seven minutes at this point. Um, yeah. This is weird. Yeah, and they're like, like, what? And probably thinking this lacks substance but it really doesn't hey sometimes simple and sweet is exactly what you need before after and in between songs they would argue that someone was out of tune or debate which song to play next like for real or yes (laughs) between each song that's great in fact this was such a thing that for a little bit they would they would get better about it but for their first few times playing they would, like, get into legit fights. There's a funny video clip of them fighting over what song to play next. And I think, like, Joe, uh, Tommy was like, I want to play Loudmouth. 
And Joey's like, I want to play. I don't want to go to the basement. <laughs> and Dean's like, yeah, I want to go. I want to play. I don't want to go to the basement either. And jo- Johnny's like, no, we're playing Loudmouth. And they're like, no, I don't want to play that. And like, it's the bickering mark- argument going on for 30 seconds. But also, this is shit you should have figured out before you went on stage. No, they didn't write a set list. They were just like, all right, whatever. We'll full fucking wing it. Okay. But the best had to be when Dee Dee would count his classic, one, two, three, four. And everyone played a different song. Oh. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they were all complete Ramones. mess. Complete mess. But like, like I said, lovable scamps. Yeah, like they're such a mess. But you're also like, you know what? I'm kind of into this. But also, this is kind of adorable. It's endearing. It's like you watch it, and you're just like, this is endearing. Despite these shortcomings, Hilly Crystal, owner of CBGBs, decided he liked the cut of their jib, and he told them he'd have them back. He saw the power they were performing with. Many people in the crowd were also blown away by how fast and short the songs were. It was something they never saw before. This like is you said, something, like it's a gaggle of weirdos. It's a on gaggle of weirdos playing these quick, fast songs, and, and people arguing. don't know what hit them. And the only thing they're saying between songs is screaming at each other. Hey, I want to play this song though. No, I really don't want to play that song. Let's just play the other song. Presumably, they're all dressed alike. Yes, same haircuts. Yes, and. All say they have the same last name. Yeah. So, so every, I mean, they looked like a bunch of brothers arguing on stage. <laughs> it Again, endearing. And so they made a little home for themselves at CBGB's, along with other esteemed alum like Talking Heads, Blondie, Television. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know the scene at that time in the yeah. 70s. All the fucking famous people came from CBGB's. And here I would like you to allow me... An important digression. Mm-hmm. They also made a lot of important friends through CBGBs. Right. Like a man, sometimes referred to as the fifth Ramon, Arturo Vega, a person who you wouldn't have seen on stage, but whose presence was still always felt when you saw the Ramones. Interesting. Arturo was a talented artist who became a diehard fan of the group after seeing them perform. He began to help them with their equipment and quickly started running lights for their shows and creating posters and flyers to advertise their gigs. Because mm-hmm. they weren't. That's nice to have an artist on yeah. your side for things like that. They were smart enough to realize nobody's going to come to their shows if they're not at least putting some flyers out. Right. So they figured that out. But here's where Arturo is real important. After the release of their debut album, he suggested to the band, hey, what if we sold shirts at your show? Oh. And the guys were very confused. What, like, with a name on it? Who's going to wear a shirt with a name on it? That doesn't make any sense. That sounds real dumb. I don't think we're going to do that. It's like they've never gone to a show before with a merch stand. Well, at the time, it was actually kind of rare to be able to pick up a shirt of the band you were seeing at their concert. Merch wasn't really a concept. Because this was back when people actually made money. Off of like record sales and like tours. Yeah, some and people. Stuff. Oh, yeah. Some people. Some people. Like, so you but didn't here's have the thing. You merch. could probably get merch at like a Rolling Stones concert. Or you could also go to a record store or something and pick up a shirt there. Precisely. But a small band like Blondie, like the Talking Heads, like New Order, they're not going to have merch at their shows. Right. It's not like shows we go to now. I mean, our friends in local bands sell merch. Right. Everyone I sells merch. Didn't even think of that. It's such 
like yeah. a prerequisite for every show we go to now yes. that you don't even think like oh maybe there was a time way back when yeah in the when se- they, before the mid 70s when they didn't sell merch they at did concerts. not they did not sell merch at concerts not the way they do now right he kind of like he started that whole concept of I'm going to make merch and we're going to sell it at your shows. Right. And they're like, okay, whatever, I guess. I don't I don't think it's going to work. Stupid idea, but okay. It worked. It worked. So they conceded. And what Arturo came up with would go down as rock and roll legend, the Ramon Seal. Mm-hmm. He created that iconic logo that everyone knows. With all their names on the outside of the circle. Mm-hmm. Arturo was inspired by an American Bald Eagle belt buckle that can be seen on the back of their debut album. Mm -hmm. To him, as an immigrant from Mexico, the Ramones were the ultimate American band. So he took the presidential seal and replaced the items held by the eagle. I like that this misfit group of weird looking like freaks are like... (laughs) It's like, that's that's the American dream. That's the America I know. That's it. But like also these fucking goons with their dumb outfits and haircuts. That's America. But honestly, it's He's our America too, right? I yeah. mean, for a lot of people, they were like, "Yeah, this yeah. is what America is." Goon America. Goon Goonica. That's Goonica. <laughs> that re- that that makes me think of Attica. I know. That's why I like it. <laughs> so the olive branch was changed to an apple tree branch. To show that the Ramones were as American as apple pie. Also, I believe apple pie might have been Joey's favorite pie. Aw. Yeah. It was somebody's favorite pie. It's everybody's favorite pie. It's not my favorite pie. No, it's not mine either. Yeah, no. But, I don't really like apple pie, but... I mean, it's fine. I'll eat it. It's fine. If you give me a slice of apple pie, I'm going to be like, no, all right, I'll eat it. Especially when you alamode that shit. Well, the ice cream makes it better. So. <sighs> yeah. The arrows were replaced with a baseball bat because Johnny loves baseball. (laughs) I mean, also, let's be honest. Baseball's real fucking American. Yeah. The banner held by the eagle's beak initially said, look out below, but was eventually changed to, hey ho, let's go. Yeah. Not only did these shirts provide income for the bandmates in Arturo, but like I said, it just completely changed the game for how musicians can make money because it's not album sales and it's not touring. The Ramones and Arturo would go on to make so much fucking money off their t-shirts. Yeah, because I mean... Everyone has a Ramones this t-shirt. This is something that um, you can make and you only have to really give the money you have to give back out of what you make. Is just it's pennies cost of production. Everything else you can keep. You don't have to pay a middle person. Basic really. black shirts, and then just like Arturo puts the print on. Yeah, or if he even has a silk screening machine, he could do it himself. Right. So, so all you have to pay for is the t-shirts and the paint. Yeah. So here you go. Make a ton of money. They made so much money. But outside of the New York City punk circuit, they struggled to get anyone to really pay them much mind. They were commonly mistaken for a band playing Spanish music, and everyone thought that their name was pronounced the Ramones. Los Ramones. That's adorable. I know. But if at first you don't succeed, try, try again, and again, and again, and again, and again, and again, and again. 
The Ramones were becoming well-known in the underground circuit and really flooring skeptical music critics, namely influential columnist Lisa Robinson. She lost a coin flip one night with a coworker to go review the Ramones show. Uh-huh. They're like, who's going to do it? Flip. Ah, fuck, I guess it's me. Fortunately, for all involved, she came out of that show loving what she saw. As she should. Right? She told her friend and music exec, Danny Fields, that they were everything he was into. And so he went to see them for himself, and he walked up to them after the show and asked them if he could manage them. Because he, yep, she was right. Let me take on this huge responsibility because I love you so much. Well, here's the best part. They said, sure, but uh, we're going to need like some new equipment here. So uh, <laughs> I need we, we're going to need like three grand. Yes. Yeah. So, you know what Make Danny said? demands right off the bat. They did. And you know what Danny said? Okay, let me ask my mom. Let and me ask my his, mom. Ask his mom to bankroll them so we could get them equipment. And she did. Thanks, mom. That's a cool mom. That's a cool. Yeah, there, there are some cool moms in this story. God like damn Danny, it. Like Mrs. Fields. Yeah. Mrs. Fields. She sent them cookies, too. For fuck's sake. Right. But I do believe they paid her back. Well, so, yeah, yeah, hopefully. I mean, I don't know. I could see Mrs. Fields being like, it's okay, sweetie. I'm just happy you're happy. <laughs> I, I know I should have beat on the brat with a baseball bat, but I didn't. <laughs> I made you cookies instead. Here you go. Oh, my God. No, I want cookies. Danny was using his connections to get the Ramones chances to audition for labels, as well as opening acts for other musicians. One big failure was when they opened for an American blues singer, Johnny Winter. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Very talented, amazing man, but nah, blues. Not, not not really Ramones material. Yeah, let's just say the crowd was not digging the baby punk boys, and they were promptly booed off stage. Aww. They were like, when that shit was over, like, oh, thank fucking God. I don't oh, want to do that boy. shit again. The fact that this band was just so unique made it really difficult to shop around. You know, yeah. they it made it really hard even to get them an opening act gig. I mean, punk wasn't even a thing, really. Really, like, not... It it wasn't. It wasn't. Not it wasn't. in New York, anyway. Well, it was in New York, but nowhere else, really. Yeah. But, I mean, you know, if you're trying to make it bigger, punk wasn't a big thing. Right. And, like, look, they're not going to just magically fall into the lap of a big record exec. You know, like there's so many fairy tale stories like, oh, just this guy caught us and liked us. It wasn't going to happen like that for them because they were just too fucking weird. (laughs) So they were going to need some help. And that came in the form of Craig Leon, an A&R guy at Sire Records. He was really into the CBGB scene and wanted to bring the Ramones in, but also knew he's a bit low on the totem pole. So he was going to need a pull from a higher place. Mm hmm. What Craig discovered was that a woman named Linda Stern, then wife of Sire Exec, C- er, Linda Stein, excuse me, then wife of Sire Exec Seymour St- Stein, was also into the Ramones. I just like that name. Seymour Stein. Seymour Stein. Yo, look at these Steins. Seymour Steins. <laughs> I just, I don't know. I can only, I got a fever and the only prescription is to Seymour Steins. <laughs> you want to see my Stein? I got your Stein right here. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> All right, so Linda actually was really into the Ramones. She caught them at a, quote, gay bar for elderly gays called Mothers. Oh, my God. 
This is what you picture this this gay bar for older gays called oh Mothers in the 70s, New York City. I'm Ramones just playing. reeling over this. Why couldn't I have been there? I know. Was I there in another life because I feel like I was? You were. I, that's what I'm going with. So she conspired with Craig to get Seymour to audition the Ramones. And it wasn't hard for him to see that there was something special here. So finally, the boys were signed to a major record label and they could finally work on their debut album. All because of mothers. Thanks, mothers. That's a cool mom. That is a cool mom. Like, the most cool of the cool moms. Right? In January 1976... The Ramones took a break from their usual performance schedule to record an album at the Plaza Sound Studio. Production was done by Craig, as well as assisted by Joey's brother, Mickey. Joey's brother, Mickey, would actually have a lot. He would help out the band, like, throughout most of his life. That's nice. Yeah. I like his name, too. I like the name Mickey. I like Mickey. Yeah. He's like, yeah, I'm so fine. I'm so fine. I'm blowing your mind. You know, I'm just just doing that. Hey. Hey, Mickey. (laughs) The whole process took only a week. Don't forget, they had ample songs to choose from, and these guys already knew what sound they were looking for. And it took them approximately 15 minutes to record their whole album? Yeah, pretty much. Well, and it would be funny because they'd be playing a song, and they'd, you know engineers would be recording it mm-hmm. and then they would just go into the next song and like whoa okay Wait, no, no, on, no, no, pump no. the brakes pump not, the brakes it's not a show <laughs> you just get Dee going what don't they <laughs> you're like oh i guess we're doing this now but you know bright side it also kept studio fees hella cheap at a time where it took like i think it was like 50 grand for most on average for most albums mm-hmm. theirs was like six grand yeah yeah it was smart that's still pretty expensive for a lot of other um, albums. Yeah. Even yeah. later on. Well, 50 grand? Oh, six grand. Oh. Yeah. Because yeah. I think Nirvana's first album was recorded for like $1,000 maybe? Well, there Not are even? exceptions. Yeah. I feel like that's cheap. Nirvana or? Nirvana. Oh, incredibly cheap. Yeah. <laughs> they pulled some strings there. Yeah. So on April 23rd, 1976, the Ramones released their self-titled debut album, and the results really vary here. Okay, while critically it was held in high regard, commercially the public was less than impressed. They were real Shania Twain about the whole thing. They were not impressed by this punk. No. It had only reached 111 on the Billboard 200. They broke the 200. It was... They bro- right? I was like, that's not bad. It got on the charts higher than Anvil's most successful album. So yeah. there you go. Yeah. Still. And they didn't even play their guitars with dildos. <laughs> that's, you know what? You got a point. <laughs> you know what? When you're right, you're right. I'm right. But as far as radio play goes, the powers that be on air hated the album. <laughs> oh, they hated the Ramones. Well, DJs suck anyway. Right. One DJ said he threw it across the room. He's like, I hate this shit so much, I'm throwing it across the room. You know what? I'm going to yeet that DJ. <laughs> the DJ yeeted that fucking and album. I, and I'm going to yeet that DJ. Yeet you all the way across the fucking floor. Last night a DJ yeet my album. <laughs> and then I yeeted the DJ. Yeah, we'll, we'll figure it out. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll get there. We'll do it. We're going to figure it out, guys. The hardest part of all of this 
which shouldn't surprise anyone to hear, was the touring. But here was a special circumstance. The Ramones had played plenty of live shows. Mm-hmm. Live shows wasn't new to them. But for the past two years, aside from one sh- show in Connecticut, they pretty much just played the New York City area. Oh, no. Yeah. So they, again, like I alluded to earlier, punk was a thing in New York City. Nowhere else. Maybe Detroit. Maybe D.C. Eh. By this point, maybe. Maybe. Like a variation of punk, yes. Right. But it, I think it was all coming out at the same time. Right. So, yeah. Nobody really knew what this was and knew what to think of it. And because they didn't get any radio play, they didn't really draw big crowds. And what, what year was this? 1976. Okay, yeah. Yeah. So it was all a bit disheartening. But even more so may have been the fact that they had to tour with each other. Oh, God. Oh, yeah. They based their image on brotherhood. <laughs> but, but, like, the bickering, oh, I yeah. fucking hate you part they of brotherhood. They were much more like preteen brothers that wanted to fight over an SNES all the time. Oh, no. It's my turn. I, I want to play more. Sonic. I want to. That's, that's Genesis. That's Sega. I don't know video fucking games. <laughs> video fu- Sorry, is it video Yoshi's World? Games. Yes. Okay. I want to play Yoshi's World. I want to play Legend of Zelda. I want to play Super Mario. There you go. You did it. Yeah. I'm so proud of you. I want to play Excite Bike. I'm sorry. Uh, Sega was after this. Well after this. Oh, yeah. Everything. There, there wasn't even SNES back then. I want to play Pong. I don't want to play Pong. There's only two players. <laughs> so, okay, like I've alluded to many a time, Johnny was the hard ass and was basically in charge of making sure the rest of the band didn't fuck it up for everyone else. He had strict rules. For example, there was a $25 fee if you showed up to a gig late or high. <laughs> Wait, so what the fuck did Dee Dee do? Right? Oh, yeah. Johnny had a habit of punching people for fucking up a song. He was very, like, anal-retentive about sticking to his rules. Overall, he was just, well, a total hard ass. Yeah. In some ways, though, it was needed. I don't think the Ramones would last as long if Johnny wasn't there to be like, nah, you guys are fucking this up. Right. But maybe he could have been a little nicer. I mean, not really with Tommy, because, like, that dude was an adult. Like, Tommy really didn't need to be leashed around. Mm Mm-hmm. But to be honest, with Joey's crippling OCD, Johnny kind of kept him on task. And as far as Dee Dee, like, he was terrified of Johnny. <laughs> and that's probably because he was a heroin addict. And it's really hard not to show up to a gig high with an addiction like that. And he was probably extremely paranoid. Oh, probably. Yeah. So we have this high-octane group of guys traveling in a van with their manager, Danny, and some road crew, Arturo and Mickey. They barely had any money, so at most they could get three hotel rooms to split and sprinkle on the fact that they aren't seeing the numbers that they expect and, quite frankly, deserve. Mm -hmm. This is, they're frustrated. They don't necessarily totally get along. They're cramped in. They're trying to make it work, but also not seeing what they want to see. It's, and the road sucks. The road is never fun. The road's never fun. To shake up this tour, Linda booked them for two nights in London. But what would the response be across the pond? If the U.S. wasn't on board, how could anyone in England even know about them? 
was this gonna be just one more thing to burden the Ramones? But maybe some of the same things were happening in London well, at the same time. You're just going to have to wait for the next episode to find out what happens, mm. aren't you? Dun, dun, dun. To be continued. Ellipses. Shrimp scampies. Ooh, shrimp scampies. <laughs> I want to just make ellipses with shrimp scampies I now. want shrimp scampy um, and pie. Yeah. What else do I want? We want to play Pong. And play Pong. Yeah, there we go. Maybe get some Mrs. Fields cookies. Oh, yeah. Yo, Danny, tell your mom to send us some of those nice cookies. And some ice cream. So I can put it on the pie and in between the cookies. Oh, sweet Jesus. Welcome to Rock Candy, the podcast about food. We're probably going to order pizza after this. (laughs) Well, thank you guys for listening. It's only part one. We got more parts coming. So I hope you guys are pumped. I'm very excited to talk about them. In successive weeks. Yes, we're back at it, guys. Thank you for being patient with us over the summer. As we all, I think, can agree to. It was a shit show. Times have been tough, (laughs) but hopefully you guys are making it through okay. We're making it through okay. Hmm. We appreciate you. We're still here. We're still here. Yes. Thank you so much. Uh, And also, we appreciate our network, the Pantheon Podcast. Over there, we've got, geez, Louise, so many podcasts. It's it's getting crazy but you've got plenty to pick from if you want to hear any other stories uh, you know any other genre of music yeah got you covered we do we totally got you covered yeah and if you want to uh donate any of your hard-earned cash that you've gotten over this uh quarantine time you can do so at our patreon it's patreon.com slash rock candy podcast you can give us some of your schmackles and we'll give you some swag 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 and yeah. a shout out, and you'll get some extra bonus content every month. Every month. So look forward to that. And thank you so much for our patrons. Yes. You guys have been lovely and wonderful, and we really appreciate you. Literally a godsend. Honestly. You guys are fantastic. <laughs> and if you guys, you know, any of our patrons have any suggestions or questions or anything you want us to talk about in our bonus episodes, shit us up. Please feel free to let us know. Yeah. We like having having some conversations. Follow us on the social medias if you want to, you know, that goes for everybody. We have social media for everybody. Yeah. We have Instagram, <laughs> Twitter, and Facebook. It's so. not private. It is public. It is for everybody. It is public domain information, I guess. Yes. I don't know. Whatever. Look, I'm done. I'm going to keep drinking. <laughs> We're going to find food. I've gotten really distracted. I but- just, I'm thinking about pie, so... <laughs> It's pie I'm season. Done. I'm done. If anybody's got good pie recipes, send them our way. Yeah. Yeah. I, I like, like a it. good pie. Mm. Anyway, <laughs> yeah. So uh, we'll talk to you kids next week. And until then, party on Ashley. Party on Maggie. That was sad. Clink. And, clink. <laughs> and party on you crazy kids out there. I don't want to be buried in a in pet. pet. Cemetery. <laughs> that's not. That's be next week. Maybe week three. I don't even know. Save from charms. What? Cut. Cut. <laughs> it's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. 
FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. 